0: medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen in to these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic.
1: Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful, and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Meiwei.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula, or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM learn about treatment strategies, and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit MeiWay.com. This season and every season, trust Maywe Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
0: And be sure to mention the code GEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love like our simple needle. Being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit acufastneedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My guest today is Zev Rosenberg. Zev is a long, long time practitioner and teacher of Chinese medicine. He was the medical chair of the Herbal Department over at Pacific College of Oriental Medicine for 23 years. And he's continuously maintained a practice since 1983. Zev has a a deep interest in the Chinese medical classics, writes articles for our professional journals, directs the Olympic Institute, and he's also a senior researcher for the Shinglin Institute for the study of early Asian medicine. He's also in the process of finishing up a book Return to the Source. It's a uh, book on Han medical classics, and that's going to be due out uh, in the next year or so. So I'll be watching for that. He is a busy, busy guy. I'm so pleased to have him on the show today. We're going to take a deep dive today into the study of complex systems and talk a bit about what a beginning practitioner should know from the perspective of 30 years out, 30 years in practice. Zev, So happy to have you here on the show. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Great to be here. Good. I should point out that I started actually, my interest in Asian medicine goes back to my teens when Uh I discovered macrobiotics and yoga when I was about 17 years old, thanks to people like George Harrison and uh, the whole 60s consciousness. And I discovered that macrobiotics came from Asian medical systems, especially the use of yin and yang and five phases and so forth. So when it became possible to study, which was in the 70s, I started studying and finally found a school in the late 70s near where I lived in uh, Colorado, New Mexico area. So I, I actually had an interest. I was a shiatsu therapist in the 70s and also a macrobiotic counselor, had a futon business. So this goes way, way back for me. It was really like my vocation since I was like 20 years
0: old. That's a long time. And that's early, too. You know, so many of us, well, I don't know about these days, but certainly when I was studying Chinese medicine, it was a mid-career correction, midlife correction of some sort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You've been you've been on that road a long time. Well, I was just naive enough to think this is what I had to do. I didn't think about whether it would make a living or not. <laughs> you know, it's just what I did. So. But it was pretty successful from the get-go, so there was a demand for it. it.
0: It's amazing the opportunities the world will present to us when we just decide this is where I'm headed. Right. Yeah, not to be underestimated. Well, I want to jump in today. This is an area that's that's sort of near and dear to my heart. And with the show here, one of the things I want to do is have the voices of people that have been at this for thirty plus years, right? Because there's just a handful. There's a a handful, and you guys are a handful. Now that I think about it, Um,
2: (laughs) it's hard to deal with too, right? Yeah,
0: (laughs) but you know, there's just something that you get from doing something for a long time, and one of the things about Chinese medicine is it, it's an incredible system that has tremendous complexity within it. And especially for people that are in the beginning uh, of their practice or even you know midway into their practice, the study of complex systems, I don't think it's something that our educational system really prepares us much for. And so uh, I'd like to, to jump into some things that people should consider when they're taking up the study of something complex, right? Something that's complex enough that it takes more than a few readings or exposures to begin to even grasp the basics, you know? And then it takes, like, years of practice to begin to get down your basic assumptions and then begin to reform them and and really see what's going on. How can a person set themselves up for the kind of learning that really requires years or decades?
2: I call it incremental learning and practice. I think you can, from the get-go, have a good, successful practice, but like anything else, you increase with subtlety and depth, and you get better and better. at It doesn't mean like, oh my God, I won't be able to be effective for 10, 20 years. People hear things about pulse diagnosis, and they think, oh, it's gonna take me so long to master this that I'm never gonna get it, and there's really a low self-esteem and low set of expectations that results from that. And I always remember the famous saying of Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, hit your wagon to a star. Even if you never get there, it'll lift you up and elevate you. Because no one is the perfect practitioner. No one is mastered. It's a vast system of medicine. So I'd like to encourage people in that way. At the same time, the way that the education is being done does not lead to that kind of incremental growth, in my opinion. And we can discuss that in another question. Mm-hmm. When you talk about incremental growth, well, you have to have the right starting point, and the starting point has to be li lun. It has to be principle. Mm-hmm. After principle, then you get you know bian zheng, pattern differentiation, and from and there's different types of pattern differentiation. Then you need to know how to distinguish diagnostics in herbal medicine and in acupuncture moxibustion which is more reliant on channel theory, which is not really taught effectively, as opposed to the requirements of herbal medicine. And in order to get those, you need to go back to the classical source texts. There's no excuse for not teaching these books now that we have good translations. Of course, the difficulty is finding teachers who've actually mastered it. Mm -hmm. Um, TCM as we know it, you know, there's an in-depth TCM, which you've experienced in China, and a more superficial TCM. But the textbooks which
0: I also experienced in China.
2: Also the superficial one, yes. So the textbooks that are available in English in America are very, in a sense, superficial and memorizing that material, it's like having a book of snapshots as opposed to watching a movie. You don't get any sense of the movement, flow, and dynamics of Chinese and Asian medicine. You just get, oh, this person has this Biomedical, Western disease, here's four patterns it might be. Totally uh, imprecise and in many ways not a clinically useful method, in my opinion. And so people get very discouraged and then they start looking at other things, like, for example, functional medicine, supplements, this and that, because they're not getting a way to think. Chinese medicine for 2,000 years was taught almost, no matter what school of thought you came from, whether it was a Shang Han Lun approach, whether you were in Japan, Korea, or China, it started with the medical classics, the Suwen, the Ling Su, the Nanjing, Shang Hanlun, Lun, Jing it started there, and then moved on to later physicians, Jin Yuan Dynasty, et cetera, et cetera. But it started with those ground principles, and it was a philosophical study, And Zhang Shichun said, the famous early 20th century physician, medicine is teaching philosophy how to live one's life to patients through the mediums of herbs, needles, and moxas, as well as, Mm. of course, with words. It's like you're educating the body and the mind. But in order to do that, he says that the practitioner must first master their own qi hua, their own qi transformation, their own qi metabolism. You mm-hmm. have to master your own body, you have to see how it works, look inside oneself, because you're going to have to be able to look inside your patients and see how they tick and work with that. And again, that dimension is completely, almost completely ignored.
0: Yeah, I have, I've had moments in clinic when I feel like I'm really following along with something, right? And, and I'll feel something or I'll see something or a pattern starts to come together and I and I'll just kind of follow it. And something, often something new will open up for me in that. It's like, oh, I think this connects to this. And, you know, let's, uh, I think this is the treatment for that, right? It, it's following that sort of flow. Yes, exactly. And, 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 and there's these other moments I have where I'm kind of following along. And then I like, I lose the scent, right? I lose the scent of the trail. Yeah. I start to think, okay, what are the patterns that this is supposed to be? And this little thought goes through my mind when that happens. It's like, oh, you're falling back on theory. You're really lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know I'm sunk when I fall back on theory.
2: Well, it depends what you mean by theory, of course. Well, it's w- like-
1: when I say
0: theory, I'm thinking of uh, something out of, the, you know, one of the books where, okay, they've got insomnia and there's these five different patterns and it doesn't fit anything and i've just i've lost the scent of the trail and i'm grasping
2: well one of the most radical makeovers of chinese medicine to tcm that happened in my opinion was this idea i i fought against this at the college i was teaching at when they have like a department called the om the oriental medicine department and basically they were so-called integrative medicine classes and basically you get like several semesters, three semesters of Western diseases. And then, again, just a handful of patterns for each. And if you looking over the syllabi, looking over the classes, there was a lot of material on the biomedical description of a disease. And then maybe a few short paragraphs with a very superficial explanation of the TCM uh, patterns, the zang fu patterns. Mm-hmm. So for example, like if you have a, uh, a prostate problem, prostatitis, if you find something like that, then you'll see a pattern for gan chi, liver chi, depressed liver chi, liver chi constraint, damp heat, shu and okay, well, yeah, there may be that there is dampness swelling the prostate. There may be that there's uh, heat there accumulating, but there's never a discussion of how it got there or why, or why is the liver tea depressed, or what is its relationship to the other zang and fu. It's a snapshot approach, it's superficial, and you end up just treating symptoms with that approach. You don't get the whole picture, and that's because it's not starting from true Chinese medical diagnosis, it's starting from biomedical descriptions of diseases. And then it completely forgets that we're treating patients with illnesses and you lose the individuation. It's actually a, really a step backwards because modern medicine now, it's one of its big concerns is how to individualize treatment using such new fields as genomics, you know, 23andMe, things like that to do so. So in the sense, it's, a ste- it's really a step back, not a step forward.
3: It's at com forward slash sinews 2024 Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you.
0: Right. So for those of us that are going, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of work that way. I How can... How can we begin to change our thinking? How can we begin to start to see what the movie is? Where's a good place to start if we don't know where to start?
2: There's a saying in Ayurvedic circles that the classics are like a vast ocean. And that the physician is like a diver who dives into the ocean looking for a pearl. I've found lines as long as uh, 35, 40 years ago in Chinese medical textbooks that were taken from the Neijing. And that one line was enough to inspire me further study and in practice for months, even years. For example, there was one line I read in the uh, Comprehensive Acupuncture Moxibustion, which being the... uh, independent sort I am in school, I used that book as my acupuncture text, but I would refuse to use the mainland outline of Chinese acupuncture that was the class text, because I felt that the Bensky translated text was a much better text, and it had sources, more classical sources for the point selections. So there was a line, all pain is associated with the heart. So I had a patient, in those days I had my clinic in Denver, Colorado, and people would come from all around, from Texas, from Kansas, because there just wasn't anybody else doing it when I started. There were maybe 30 practitioners in the entire state of Colorado at the time, in the early 80s. And I would treat her back points, you know, I'd treat the back, uh, bladder lines, and nothing would happen. And then I read this uh, statement, all pain is associated with the heart, and I just treated kidney 6 one side heart five the other and all the back pain went away i said huh this is interesting it allowed me to reduce my point selection allowed me to hone in on certain issues and i just went from step one to step two and kept studying but sometimes you could just find a paragraph it's almost like the yi jing you know you could just open it up or throw some stalks or something and come up with some real wisdom you right. can go in there and you can find something, wow, this puts something together which I hadn't noticed before. For example, the sun rises in the morning, and with that, the yang chi in the body rises and comes out to the surface, activates the defense chi. By the afternoon, the defense qi starts to slowly settle back deep into the body. It's like a sunflower following the sun or another type of flower that would open its petals and then closes the evening approaches. The body has rhythms, it's natural science. There's a, you know, one of the uh, translations of chi is breath, or the respiration, inhalation, exhalation cycle. And all the visceral systems of the body, inhale and exhale, expand and contract. And you follow those movements. So if you get that principle down, it's like you like you were describing following your patient's symptoms and patterns, you're on the trail, and you feel the rhythm in the pulse you see the movement of the various visceral systems and how they relate to each other. Don't try to just isolate something so it could fit a biomedical diagnosis. It's an incredibly inspiring process and what keeps me going all these years later is every day I get inspired by this study. Otherwise, after a while, it's like, what am I, just a needle pusher, or a symptom chaser? People have to start feeling discouraged. Unless they have inspiration, and you know, modern medicine has become, unfortunately, a business and a profession in the sense of something that's very dry. It's like dry bones. It doesn't have any juice or life to it. It's no wonder that so many modern doctors are writing books now, you know, trying to find meaning in their practices.
0: Yeah, I'm struck by your uh, metaphor. Of going into the classics like diving in the ocean for pearls because you know when you dive in the ocean for pearls there's a lot of times you dive in you come up you got bupkis right
2: (laughs) 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 or there's something you need more work study think about we definitely of course need teachers for large parts of it
0: sure but but the, but the, the point I want to make here is there's moments where we do get a hold of something or I should say maybe something gets a hold of us
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: And yeah, it can unfold. But it's a very nonlinear process. It, In my experience, it's very much a, uh, it's it's a practice of spending some time, whether it's in the classics or, or, you know, or some really, some book on Chinese medicine that you're really hooked into. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't understand it very much yet, but, but you're still hooked into it in some way. And then stuff seems to kind of percolate and show up. Yep. It's resonance. It's gan yin. It's gan yin. Yeah. Joe Yeah, really is. So uh, on that resonance piece, how do you work when you don't quite know what to do? You know, sometimes you're working with a patient, something, you know, their situation's not quite clear
2: yet. Well, especially with acupuncture, acupuncture is diagnostic as well as treatment. Mm. What I'll sometimes tell people is, especially if the pulse is not yielding up its secrets. I say, let's do some back shoe points, for example, and let's see what happens when we do this. And then I'll turn the person or feel the pulse, and sometimes I'll get more information than I need. Or in the person's response to needling, I'll get more information. So it's a process. Sometimes, you know, so it's just like, you meet people who are like an oakman book, And sometimes they give you TMI, too much information. Mm. And then you have people, they're just like completely closed up and it's hard to read them, right? Yeah. So some of it is done through the environment. I try to create a very safe environment and calm and be there, be present with the person because it's also interactivity between practitioner and patient. That's important. So for me, it isn't so much a problem and of course sometimes michael that person isn't our, meant to be our patient you know what i mean
0: Somet- oh i i do in fact sometimes i get phone calls from people and i and there's just something in the voice and something in the first few moments of conversation and i'm thinking you're going to be served better somewhere else
2: yes exactly
0: not everybody's my patient
2: and sometimes talking with them on the phone just for their voice and what they're saying you'll know you can help them and you'll know, have an idea already of what they're going to need. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what I, that, I guess that's my answer to what you were uh, saying. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, I know for myself, you know, again, I, you know, back to that thing that pops up for me on occasion where I, I feel like I've lost the scent and I fall back on theory. There's, I mean, there's falling back on theory and that's when I know I'm sunk. But then sometimes it's just a matter of refocusing.
2: Yeah, that's why we have to keep working on ourselves, you know. Is... It's almost like meditation.
0: It's like, okay, let's just start again.
2: Yeah, back to square one.
0: Back to square one. i It's like I'm in the middle of this, but I'm back to square one. You know, often for me in those cases, it is the ideas like the ones that you had about all pain is of the heart. You know, on a good day, something like that will come through. Right. There's, there's, it's like I'm totally off track. I'm, it, it, but there'll be something else that, that wants to sort of make itself present in my awareness. If I can just let go of trying to be right.
2: Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Well, it's a funny thing talking about clinical practice because I'm so immersed in it so long. You know, I'm right. I'm working on this book now. And with my editor, uh, Daniel Schreier, and uh, I tell him, like, it's very difficult for me to talk about cases or write about cases because I feel like I'm in a fish in a sea. Mm. And you have to take me out of the sea, but I haven't been out of the sea in 35 years. I've worked 50 weeks a year for 35 years, five days a week. I haven't had that chance to get a perspective on who, how, what I treat. It's like I have thousands of cases, but if you asked me now to pull one up, I would have to really think hard about it. It's a strange thing. It's a very strange thing. And I think it's because you go into a different place when you're working on people. You really do. You go into a different space.
0: I'm curious to know more about that, what that space is like for you.
2: Well, um, it's not just me. It's, I'm interacting with another human being. You know, where there's a transference of chi through pulses, through needles, to, through talking. And I'm focused on providing the space for healing to occur. Again, there's that fine line between healing and medicine. We have like different, this is where some study of medical anthropology and definitely medical history is necessary in our schools. We need to have context. Otherwise, the fall pack position is like modern medicine. Oh, you're going to a type of medical school. Here's the pattern for this disease. You do this and that's it. People don't know who Li Dongyuan is. People don't know who Chi uh, Bo is. People don't know our historical figures. They don't know, have any context of the history of the incredible transmission of this medicine from past to present. And therefore they get locked into what I call, you know, the white coat fluorescent light sterility syndrome as being to what's expected with medicine. But medicine is culture. You have a culture of medicine. And within that, there are different definitions of what What is healing? What does it mean for a person to be getting better, that their illness is better?
0: That is such a huge question. Yeah. Um, What is healing? Because, you know, we have this idea in Chinese medicine of the zheng qi, right? The upright qi. Yes. Which is all, you know, even at the moment of death, it's there, right? Right. Zheng qi is always there. So no matter how sick a person is, there's also this part that's not sick which is a great advantage to us as, as Chinese medicine practitioners because we got this other thing to work with. We don't just have to fight the bad thing. We got, you know, we got jung Chi that, that can work in, our fa- or work in the patient's favor. But, you know, there's this idea and we get it from our modern world that we're looking for the cure. We're looking for the thing to go away. We're looking to get rid of whatever it is that, that's bugging us or to get whatever it is we're missing and we don't got it. And unless there's the cure it's considered a failure. And yet, I found in my practice that there are people that can get tremendous healing in the process of dying. There are people that can get tremendous healing and insights and understanding of of how pieces in their life fit together through the process of their back pain or their digestive disorder or whatever it is that brought them in the door that they wanted to get rid of, sometimes they find it's actually kind of an ally.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, and also as you and I know, and it's something that Leon Hammer has said and J.R. Worsley has said, you know, getting rid of a symptom doesn't necessarily mean clinical success. There are various Facebook groups on acupuncture Where, oh, I got rid of the symptom. I got rid of this shoulder pain. Well, did you suppress it? Did you move the the xie qi, the evil qi, from one place to another? Because if you look at, for example, at the Shang Han Lun and also the Ling Su in different mediums, you know, exterior symptoms are more dramatic.
0: Mm.
2: Like in terms of example of like a uh, Shang Han, you know, body aches, you have heat effusion or fever, pharaoh, you have, you know, coughs, sniffles. And if you want, you can, like, dose it with vitamin C or antibiotics, and those symptoms go away. You say, oh, you know, wipe your hands, patient's better. That's mm-hmm. all I can have. But all of a sudden, now they're bloated, they've lost their appetite, they have loose stool, and their chi is down. They have lower energy. What you've done, according to Sha Han Lun, is you've moved it from Tai Yang to Tai Yin. Mm-hmm internal state in the abdominal region where the in, where the vital organs are you've actually weakened the patient they may be less dramatically quote-unquote sick but you've compromised their health the same with acupuncture you can move it from a more exterior yang channel into a more interior yin aspect and uh they may be quote-unquote better from the symptom but you've actually made them chronically ill and this is the metaphor for our times a lot of drugs act quickly, they reduce or relieve symptoms, but then they create internal pathologies that can lead to things like autoimmune disorders that take years to treat. And this is more the end where I'm working personally. I'm not saying everyone needs to do this. And again, over time, as you learn more depth in the medicine, you'll be able to handle this better. But there's no way to just symptomatically treat, for example, lupus erythematosus. Uh, you know, a whole realm of autoimmune diseases with just simple point prescriptions. It's You have to have a much more comprehensive grasp of what's going on to treat that and trace back to where the person's body and mind started attacking the, themselves, where their defense chief started imploding, so to speak. So there is definitely a need to teach practitioners how to handle these cases. because There's more and more of them. You're going to see less and less quick response to, sim- to uh, symptoms for treatment because they've already been overdosed with medications and adjustments and, God- and supplements and God knows what.
0: And so often too, the people that come through our doors, if the simple stuff had worked, they wouldn't be there right? It's usually something that's, that's gone awry at, at, at some more deep level. You know, there, there's another thing I just wanted to mention this. There was that thing about that as practitioners, we kind of wipe our hands in a, in a happy way and go, I got rid of XYZ. I would say, actually, we don't get rid of anything. It's always the patient that does their own healing. Right. I mean, we get to accompany, we get to guide, we get to assist. But it's the patient's own she transformation that heals them, their own internal doctor, if you will. Their are Zheng Chi. That's the stuff that does it.
2: Yeah. Butong, zitong, zitong, butong. Mm. Where there's flow, there's no pain. Where there's pain, there's no flow.
0: You know? Yeah. We can really get caught up in, I'm the one that's doing the healing here.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the, that's what it says in the Talmud, the best doctor goes to hell because he thinks that he cures. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh oh, 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 oh. Oh, my! Oh gosh! A hell of one's own design, I would add.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness, that's great! Yeah, so maybe we should add a little Talmud to uh, to our Chinese medical study. You know that?
2: Well, you know, in Korea, they are studying Talmud as because they want to understand. They say, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be ethnic here, but Jewish people very smart. Let's, and the Talmud is why they're so smart. Let's figure out how they did it. Like when I went to teach up at, uh, at the Five Branches Institute in the doctorate program last year, there was a really nice young man who had moved to the valley from Korea. There's a lot of Koreans in Silicon Valley. And the whole time he drove me back to the school, he was asking me about the Talmud and the sections of the Talmud and the study and Jewish practices. They are fascinated with Jewish ideas in Korea. And that there have been points where, in Japan as well, I don't know about China. So, uh, I do know that uh, you, you know, Confucianism has a lot in common with Jewish ideas. So that yeah. I. Know.
0: In recent years, the Saam acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yeah. Wow. I love that line. I might just have to write that down and stick it on my wall to keep, keep myself reminded. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got all kinds of sayings like that all over the place. In my yeah.
0: Head. It keeps us straight. <laughs> wow. We're getting close to the end of this. Time really flies by one one last question at least for the moment you know a lot of practitioners when they first start out they they're not quite sure what to do and and there's all this emphasis on marketing and positioning and branding and you know all that stuff which it absolutely has its place right but mm-hmm, yes and no but from the perspective of someone doing it as long as you've been doing it what counsel would you give Well, what counsel would you have given to yourself all those years ago? Or what counsel would you give to someone from the perspective of 30 plus years? What's important in building your practice and who you are in those initial stages?
2: On one hand, what we do, you need to have business smarts because, you know, you have to know how to run a clinic, how to pay the bills, how to measure your overhead. Of course, that's important. That's a no brainer. But the thing is, if you leave it just as a business, you're going to be very disappointed. That's number one. I mean, I believe in magic. I believe in chi, if you want to consider that magic, that when you're in the right place, when you self-cultivate your own chi, when you center yourself, when you meditate, you pray, you keep your body clean and healthy, you do qigong or yoga, it creates a space that attracts people much more than going to Kiwanis clubs and speaking to people while they eat hot dogs and hamburgers and white bread, you know. And um, this thing of cloaking it in Western language, I think it's a little, sometimes it's a little dishonest. You know, people are looking for other perspectives on health. So what I tell people is be the best practitioner you can be. And I use the sitting bowl principle. What people want to see in our field in my opinion, is what I put out to patients is something similar to what uh, Chinese medical clinics in Taiwan used to do. They have a picture of a fish above the door because the fish's eyes are always open. They never close. And the message of that to me is that you're always available to people. So the sitting bull principle is taking your spear, sticking it in the ground like sitting bull did when they tried to move his tribe out of the Dakotas and saying, This is my land. This is where I'm going to stay. You know, I am here in San Diego 27 years now. Before that, I was in Denver for eight years. This is my place. This is where I am. I'm devoted to the people who come to me. I'm as available, you know, reasonably as much as possible. I'll always answer a question via email or text or phone. And people know I'm here. I don't take long breaks, long vacations. You know, I just make myself available to the people who I can help and I know who those people are and they know who I am. And I don't play any games with people. I just provide a service and I'm there to provide it. And I think that's all there is to it. Not, you know, playing games and, you know, there was a somebody who had uh, graduated the school here, you know, several years ago and they put on the back of like bus stops all over this neighborhood here. Free acupuncture, get your free acupuncture treatment and consult, and it was like, it was so tacky, and people came in, the person ended in trouble, people had the wrong expectations, and they ended up having to close the clinic within a few months. You know, it's like trying to play down to the lowest common denominator, it doesn't work. It is, in a sense, an elite medicine, I'm sorry to say. I mean, yes, we should be there. One of the goals I had when I first started, we were unable, unfortunately, to pull it off because my wife is fluent in Spanish, was to open a clinic in the south part of town a few days a week and work with low income groups and get them to come in Spanish speaking and work with that kind of style of clinic. So I also believe in that kind of clinic as well. But the idea here is to be there for people and. Provide a service to them that helps them. Nothing more, nothing less. I ran an ad in the yellow pages once many years ago. It cost me so much money a month. And in a year's time, I got three phone calls. And of those three phone calls, I didn't get one patient. Actually, I got one and they came in for quote unquote, stop smoking. And (laughs) after the first treatment, I didn't treat them. And, uh, Another time I had a radio interview and I got like five weight loss people, four to stop smoking treatment. Within a couple of weeks, they're gone or didn't even pay me. So uh, it was just ridiculous. I wasted my money. I've never advertised other than that.
0: Any. Well, you know what that's called, don't you? What? Tuition. (laughs) (laughs) Ha. Finding out what works and what doesn't.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure you had the same experience in St. Louis. You got there. You knew people because you know you grew up there, and you just provided a service. And word of mouth is what gets people because if you don't get people together, if you don't get people better, they're not going to keep coming and they're not going to refer people. If you don't get referrals, you're not going to uh, have a practice.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very organic process to to, to grow. It's a, you know it takes some time. It's like cultivating a garden, and what you plant is you know oh boy you know it's it's. Almost trite, but what you you know what you sow is what you, what you reap is what you sow. You know what the the kind of garden that you cultivate with your practice is the kind of practice you're going to end up with. Right. You know That's if you're looking if you're looking for the race to the bottom, you can find it. But uh, you know, is that where you want to live?
2: Right. Well, some people seem to think there's nothing more than that. So what we have to do is expand the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess there's room for all of us in that, too.
2: Well, I tell people, I understand if you have to work in a doctor or a chiropractor's office to get started or, you know, if you uh, work in that kind of fashion or in a fertility clinic or pain clinic or something like that, or if you need to take a, like, have, like, an insurance practice, but make it only a percentage. Make sure you have at least some percentage where you have full autonomy, where you're doing the full realm of Asian medical diagnoses and treatment. Otherwise, you're going to lose, you know, you're going to lose the, the mojo to do it.
0: Got to keep the mojo. That's, yeah. yeah. Is there a Talmudic uh, quote about mojo that you could leave us with?
2: Hmm. Oh, a Talmudic quote about mojo. Yeah. Oh. Well, I keep getting back to the Delta Blues when I think of that term. <laughs> well, that, I guess that works, too. Because <laughs> that's where it came from, you know, the the lucky stone you carry around in your pocket, you know, um, it's just really is a secho, it's intelligence and intelligence doesn't just mean intellect. It means body, mind, spirit. It really does. In a sense, you know, the, the Worsley school of acupuncture has gotten a lot of criticism. Some of it deserved in that, um, they tried to rely just on the intuitive aspect that we were talking about earlier, which is very important and essential. And a very small core group of principles involving the five phases, looking, smelling, touching, causative factor, and so forth. But in another sense, they are right on the beam of looking at a whole human being and try to help manifest change. And some of the more materialistic approaches, it's got to work. And it's, it's led to such things as the, uh, the dry needling craze that we're seeing now. You know? mm-hmm. And that's a All whole right. other topic.
0: Yes, it is.
2: Which is not to say that strong acupuncture technique working with tendinomuscular channels, jingjin, is not also a part of our medicine. But again, how we view that and in what context is the crux of what I'm talking about there.
0: Right. Well, Zev, I so appreciate you taking time to uh, talk with me today. I know you got a lot going on, and I'm looking forward to uh,
2: looking forward to reading your book. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing more contributions from you as well. I haven't seen you in a few years in person, but uh, look forward to seeing you at some point. And this isn't taking time, it's making time.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Geological. If so, I would really appreciate it if you would take a moment now and head over to www.geological.com and click on the Review on iTunes button to rate and review the show. Rating and reviewing the show helps other practitioners to find this material. If you have benefited from listening to these episodes, please take a moment to help us out with a review over on iTunes. Also, if you have ideas for a show that you would like to hear or recommend a practitioner to be on the show, you can send an email from the website. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week for a new show. the voices of our community.